Young Mark Watney, study astrobotany. I make hanging gardens and nobody can stop me. Uh, let's grow plants in space. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of the Astrobotany Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Kai Rasmussen, and this is my co-host, John Lombardino. Hey, everybody. Yeah, and today we're going to be talking to you about Plants in Space and introducing it. So, the other day, I was talking to my friend John, and he was like, Hey, have you heard about podcasting? And I was like, yeah, it's a surefire way to make the big bucks. Yeah, this is where the money's at. This is what everybody's <laughs> doing. Yeah, so uh, John was like, hey, we should do an Astrobotany podcast. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. And our friend KB is good at making podcast audio. Yeah, let's see it. Let's see how well we're going to do on this. Let's let's hope we don't crash and burn. Yeah, in the yeah. I'm here to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, Kai, KB. I like your. I appreciate your friendship, and I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> oh, who said we're friends yet? Oh, okay. I'm gonna have to earn it. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, we're just gonna be talking to you guys about astrobotany, but uh, we figured that before we get into the big details of growing plants in space, we just take some time to do some quick introductions. My name is Kai Rasmussen. And I recently graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. One of the highlights of my time uh, at the school was working in the Gilroy Lab. Gilroy Lab is a botany lab, and we're actually funded by NASA. So most of what I did was molecular biology research involving data that was actually retrieved from a mission that went to the International Space Station. And now I just kind of run the website astrobotany.com. You should check it out. It's www.astrobotany.com. We also have .org also. Is it just Astrobotany Kai, or have we pretty much covered all fields oh, yeah. of spaceflight biology? Hey, good question. Yeah. Good question, John. We've also got astrohydrology.com, astrovirology.com, and astromicrobiology.com. And we'll be talking to you later about why microbiology is just as important to plants in space as, you know, the other stuff that we're going to talk about, too. But, um, yeah, I met John in the lab, and, you know, John can tell you a bit about himself, too. Sure. Hey, I'm John Lombardino. Uh, as Kai said, we both worked in the Gilroy lab. I'm actually still at the University of Wisconsin, I'm a senior studying genetics. And that was kind of the bigger reason why I wanted to join the lab is because studying plants in space is this awesome opportunity to look at how an organism changes the way it expresses its genes at a huge scale because there's so many stressful things that go along with trying to grow in space. So I saw this more of an opportunity to kind of get the strategies and the tools and the skills to analyze um, gene expression at a, at a large scale, and that's one of the big reasons why I was drawn to astrobotany. But I'm curious, Kai, what made you like want to join the Gilroy Lab? What was the the selling feature? Well, I guess uh, well Simon, uh, the guy who runs the lab, he's known as the Wizard because he kind of looks like a wizard. Oh yeah, uh, you can check that out at www.astrobotany.com. You can look for a picture of Simon. Yeah, he's a he's a funny guy. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's, yeah. He's very charming. Every I think everybody loves Simon immediately when they meet him. Yeah. He's a very charismatic person. Exactly. So it's basically, you know, Simon's charisma combined with the fact that his research is very cool, very important, and it's funded by NASA that you kind of just get sucked in. So, right? Kai, has your interpretation of the name The Wizard changed after you've worked in the lab? Because I always thought it was, you know, he looks like a wizard. Yeah. But now sometimes it just seems like all of his ideas and kind of directions that we're going with our research just comes out of nowhere. It's almost like a spell. Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's, he's constantly it's, it's kind of pulling mad. some magic with some biology. I'm like, wow, I, I, oh, I yeah. can't believe where this is coming from. Oh, 100%. It's just yeah. pure magic. <laughs> just pure, pure magic. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Kai, maybe it'd be a good idea for us to walk through, okay, what is astrobotany? Oh, Why should yeah. people care about this? Oh, yeah, definitely. And as always, you can... Find more about this at www.astrobotany.com. All right, that's the last time I'll do no, that. No, I, I think we should have a running tally in each podcast of how many times we plug the website. <laughs> plug the website, be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what is astrobotany? You know, what is astrobotany? Uh, as you can probably tell from the name, it's about growing plants in space. And it... Maybe a thought that crosses people people's minds, like, you know, maybe once in their lifetime. But for John and I, it's something that we think about almost every second of every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about when I go to sleep, and that's the thing I'm thinking about when I yeah. wake up. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, for a good reason. You know, it's a subdiscipline of astrobiology. So that's biology in space, and it's going to be super important for our future space travel endeavors, um, specifically the most, the closest goal that we have is Mars, and having sustainable uh, crop systems, um, maybe even a bioregenerative life support system, these are going to be things that are incredibly important for uh, not only just the field of spaceflight research, but, you know, uh, us as a species as well. Yeah, and I, I think one of the cool things that I've come to learn about doing astrobotany research is it's not just about getting to Mars. Or it's not just about, you know, sustaining the people um, going through some sort of spaceflight travel. It's the stuff we learn up in space directly applies to some of the stuff that we need to solve back here on Earth. Right, with stuff like flooding and, and you know, drought stress, you know, we're learning a lot about just how plants signal certain stresses and that has wide reaching implications on the problems that we need to solve back here. Absolutely. That's one of the things uh that's one of the things I hear a lot from people uh when we go around and we talk about our research is, Oh, like, is this kind of like an escape thing, you know, like are we trying to like leave the planet or something like that? Yeah, we're going to need to leave, but that's so far in the future that's not really directly applicable to why do we want to go to Mars. Yeah, yeah. And because... I know, you know, Simon and a lot of people in our lab, we talk about, you know, this innate desire as humans to want to explore. Yep. Like, this is the next step. Just like going to the moon, we want to go farther. We want to learn. We want to discover. 
So this is the next big thing, and you, you there's this huge push for going to Mars. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, to, but to do that, we're going to need some sort of you know bioregenerative life support. We're going to need to have food up there for these astronauts to get where they're going. But I think the other cool thing is the psychological aspect of things growing. That's you know another side of the coin of wanting to grow plants in space is because there's this therapeutic effect of you know wanting to look at something growing. You know that's going to be a huge benefit for people on what's going to be a very stressful journey. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, plants are plants are pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as we continue to talk about astrobotany, one of the things that we're going to discuss, and we discuss it right now, is talk about the history of astrobotany. It kind of comes out of nowhere. It's just, it's how did we get to this point yeah. where we're, we're looking at how things grow in space? Yep, yep, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and it, what's great is this is something that John and I are talking about before we stepped into the studio here is it's kind of the history of astrobotany is kind of intertwined with the Soviet era Cold War space race. Yeah, that's that's what started the space race, right, Kai? It wasn't anything about going to the moon. It was who could grow plants no, in space was, first. Yeah, it was yeah, I think plants I'm pretty, in space. Someone feel free to fact check me on that, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's why we have the space race. That's actually what the space race is referring to. Yeah, it was who can grow plants in space the yeah. fastest. Yeah. Alrighty, so I've got a astrobotany.com pulled up right here. We're looking at the timeline of uh, growing plants in space. So actually, uh, where we really kind of start is late 1800s, like 1880 and 1895, there are two pieces of literature that are the first real mentions about plants in space. One of them is called The Cross of Zodiac with Percy Gregg. It's about a space traveler who goes to Mars with plants. This is written in 1880. The other one was a piece by the Russian scientist Konstantin Tsiolkovsky, and he kind of speculated about orbital greenhouses um, in his book dreams of earth and sky yeah so i had no idea it goes back that far that's that's kind of crazy to think that that far back people oh, were yeah. thinking ahead of time of okay how how are we going to go to other planets you know Yo, how are we going to feed ourselves yeah yeah no do you know what's so funny about Tsiolkovsky was i was talking to simon the wizard mm-hmm. about it and I was like, Simon, did you know that, like, this guy named Tsiolkovsky wrote about plants in space before, like, anybody else did? And he's like, oh, yeah, I knew that. And I was like, wow, like, Simon knew that. And then he was like, well, Kai, do you know Tsiolkovsky has two really famous quotes? I was like, what are the two really famous quotes? And the first one was, uh, Earth is the cradle of humanity, and it's time to leave the cradle, or something along those lines. And the second one is show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's he's a hilarious guy. And I don't I think anytime you ask him something, he knows. He knows the answer. Yeah, like, yeah. This man knows yeah, the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> show me the money. Yeah. So you guys can look that up. Konstantin Tsiolkovsky, eighteen ninety five, show me the money. Fast forwarding a little bit. 1940 to 1950, this is real. Like, the term astrobotany is real, and it was coined during the 40s. There was a Russian astronomer named Gavriil Adrianovich Tikhov, and he was the guy who first officially defined astrobotany, and the USSR actually had a sector of astrobotany. I don't really know what happened with that, 
but that was the first time that the term was definitively used. And it's uh, by the Russians. Yes, we didn't we didn't get that word. That, I know. That went straight to the Russians. I know. I know. And Tikhov is considered to be the father of astrobotany or the godfather of astrobotany. Yeah. What's the What's the Russian equivalent for that? Is there a Russian mafia term that we can pull up here? Uh, no. I don't. I don't no. know. <laughs> oh, that's sad. But okay, Kai, who yeah. who won that space race though? Would you, um, would you Would you give it to us or? Would the Soviets have taken that one? I mean, we have the moon, so ultimately we win. But yeah, but who yeah. who won the original space race with? Um, well, if you can, if you consider launching seeds on a rocket into like the lower atmosphere, getting plants into space first, okay, then the U.S. would have won that. Awesome. Because in 1946, the first seeds were launched on repurposed V2 rockets by the United States. Okay. Yeah. Shortly after, in 1954, there is an astrobiologist uh, who his name was Jack Myers, and he tested algae for use in bioregenerative life support systems. And when we talk about bioregenerative life support systems, we're talking about a system that is closed and can fully support life and has all of the gas cycling necessary to support humans. Um, and this was kind of the beginning of a space agency's first real serious interest in utilizing plants uh, for life support. 1971, this one's a little bit more famous fact, uh, 500 tree seeds were flown around the moon on Apollo 14. Also us. I just want to point that out. That's yeah. another point for America. <laughs> yeah. And they were planted on Earth upon the return, and they're referred to as moon trees. Oh. So, yeah, it's, you know, that's kind of yeah. cool, you know. In 1982, Soviet cosmonauts grew a Rabidopsis on board Soviet Salyut 7. Oh, no. You, so you're telling me the Soviets were the first to do a Rabidopsis? Yes, they so, were. So the organism we study, actually, that went to the Soviets? Yeah, that, okay. it, it, was a fir- it was a really important milestone because they were the first plants to produce seeds and flower in space. Yeah, I don't know if we, if we mentioned that. The, the organism that our lab looks at is called Arabidopsis thaliana. It's um, also known as Thalecress. So if we're looking at, if you're doing any kind of genetics research, you want an organism that's easy to work with and that you can apply what you've learned to a lot of different other species. So it's commonly been referred to as... A, as like the mouse of plant research because the, the mouse is a big kind of thing for our own biology to learn about. So Rabidopsis is this plant that we can apply to a lot of other plants because it's very simple. It's easy to work with. Oh, yeah. Hey, John, where is Arabidopsis's natural habitat? Where is it, Kai? <laughs> oh, man. In a Petri dish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you want to talk about like, how, do we, how do we really grow this stuff up in space yeah we usually grow arabidopsis in a petri dish so we're not sending a plant in a pot of soil when we do use soil we actually use uh plant pillows they're like these little pillows that are filled with like the nutrients that the plant needs but typically the experiments that our lab sends up we grow them in petri dishes and it's really just a easy way to yeah it's pretty much it's called phytogel it's pretty much this gelatin it's got the same component agar that uh, microbiologists use to culture bacteria it's just this nice medium for 
plants to grow and they've got all the nutrients they need. And we can also see how the roots are growing because it's this transparent medium. So this gives us a powerful tool to be able to take images of the plants while they're growing. So we can see, okay, how is this plant reacting to some of the stresses of space? Yeah, yeah, definitely. In 1995, <laughs> <laughs> NASA begins to use BRIC, Biological Research and Canisters. They love their acronyms. They do, yeah. Arabidopsis is flown using this hardware. And 2014, data retrieved from one of the missions. Oh, this isn't that interesting. Uh, <laughs> okay, I guess we'll cut that part out. <laughs> um, and then 2016, this is kind of famous. You guys may have seen this. Uh, Xenia bloomed aboard the International Space Station under the care of U.S. astronaut Scott Kelly. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah, should we maybe talk about the hardware, like the veggie system? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So we, we talked about the brick, so how we do some of our genetic analysis on Arabidopsis. So they're pretty much these boxes where we put those Petri dishes in, and we're trying to quantify how how much different genes are being expressed up in space. So we use this preservative called RNA later to preserve what's called RNA, the transcript that's made from genes. So we can quantify back here on Earth what those levels are of those genes through the RNA, through something called RNA sequencing. And then we can do some statistical tests and determine what genes are changing up in space compared to the ground controls that we grow here. So that's more of the our experimental side, there's also this really cool thing called the veggie system, the veggie growth system. And it's been a really important tool for already having some things for astronauts to eat that are plant-based. You know, so what, what were some of the things that were grown? I know red romaine lettuce was one of them. What, yeah, yeah. What else? Was Mizuna also up there? Uh, Yeah, I think Mizuna was also grown in the veggie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, all this thing is is it's a box that just has LEDs on it. it and it's, it looks kind of weird because it's this purple light that's on the plants because that's all they need. They need red and blue light, and that's they need blue light for mostly photosynthesis, and the red light's kind of like us. We have our own circadian rhythm, and so plants use that red light to tell them whether or not they need to flower, whether or not they need to germinate, so it's, it's almost like us where, you know, we're getting feedback from the light and the day. Plants are doing the same thing. They have their own circadian rhythm that changes how they're going to express their genes yeah, and what they're yeah. going to make. Just, I, I think it's interesting that no, we no. share a lot yeah. of stuff with plants no, in sure. terms of how, when we're sensing the environment, how our own biology changes. Yeah, no, definitely. So, I You know what is interesting, John? Um, I had somebody ask me, what happens to like what happens when we grow plants in space, right? That's pretty, pretty a uh, question that we get a lot. Yeah, you know what happens to them, and the answer that I've kind of been giving lately is, it's similar to what happens to our astronauts when they go up to space. They can be up there, and they are up there, but it's work maintaining their muscle density, you know, yeah. and it does have long-term lasting effects on humans and we just don't know everything that happens yeah to them up in space and it's the same with plants and it's kind of a mystery that we're trying to unlock and yeah kind of to piggyback off of that i mean that's another reason why it's good to do this kind of research our biology 
in itself is very similar. Yes. And we can't, you know, we can't turn off genes and humans and see what happens. That's, right. There's there's a lot of ethics, I think, that uh, kind of would stand in the way of doing that. Really? Yeah. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we'd be able to get away with that. But yeah. working with the plants, that's easy. And then we can see, okay, did this gene have this important function for that plant being able to grow and adapt to space? Oh, yeah. So we can learn a lot about, you know, helping our own astronauts just by doing this research. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's... Uh... Wait, oh wait, should we end it somehow? You definitely should. Oh yeah, let's get a sign off. You know, this is our first podcast, so... I don't think there's going to be any problems. Yeah. I think we've 100% successfully done a podcast. Oh yeah. There's nothing to work out from this. Oh yeah, definitely. So everybody, hey, make sure you uh, like, comment, and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm just kidding. Why don't we bring the... Um, astrobotany plug to five for this podcast. I think that'd be oh, yeah. a good way to sign yeah. off. Is All one right. more like where where can people learn more about? Oh, you this? were counting too. I see. Yo, okay, so oh, good. Okay, hey, so is, is five. I, I have the tally going. Is yes. five awesome? Well, you were at four. One more would be five. Hey, listen okay, up. Right. Hey, listen up, guys. Thank you for listening to the Astrobotany podcast. Go to www.astrobotany.com to find more information about the science and the art of growing plants in space. Yeah. I mean, we want to keep doing this. So yeah. please yeah. let us know what you liked about this, what you didn't like. Yeah. Um, maybe some of the stuff that you would want to learn about on the podcast. Don't let me know. I didn't. No, I'm yeah, just don't, kidding. Don't say anything. To <laughs> no, no, I'm just <laughs> no, no, never mind. Okay. <laughs> we, oh, we should also plug the subreddit. We've oh, got yeah. a subreddit. Go to reddit.com slash r slash astrobotany. To be a part of the community of growing plants in space. Yeah. Well, do we count that, KB? Is that should we count that as six, or is it exclusively the website? You know that that's up to you. I am I am here. We're gonna to count at six, ladies and gentlemen. We're that at is six. six plugs. All right, ready? Down. All right, on three. Let's grow plants in space. Three, two, one. Oh wait. Let's, let's grow, grow plants, plants in space. In space. Oh. Uh, that was. That was <laughs> no, keep that in. That's fine. <laughs> Young Mark Watney, study astrobotany. I make hanging gardens and nobody can stop me. Uh, let's grow plants in space. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Astrobotany Podcast. We'd like to thank our sound engineer, KB, for helping us out, the Gilroy Lab for their support, and WSUM for letting us use their studio. Let's grow plants in space. I engineer plants with peroxidase defects. My reflexes work till I'm sleepless. Young botanist, green thumb, my leaf doors wreathless. And silica seamless, it's perfect, it's dreamless.